Hello, and welcome to Tech Champagne, a wealth expansion podcast designed to help you turn simple ideas into major impact and big revenue. I'm Elisa Wilcox, and I've spent the last 11 years helping women entrepreneurs build six and seven figure businesses with simple systems and automation. I'm here to guide you and give you my exact strategies for money, marketing, and automated business growth so you can create the life and business you truly desire. The income level you really want is well within your reach. Let's do this together. Hello, and welcome back to Tech Champagne. I'm Elisa Purdy, your host, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I'm joined today by Jackie Simic. She is a mindset and leadership coach, also the owner of openhearted.co. She's also a podcaster, the owner of Open Hearted Podcast, and her signature program, Open Hearted Abundance, will be launching in the fall. She works with female leaders in the corporate space and also with entrepreneurs who need help with removing fear obstacles and some help with their marketing and sales. Hi, Jackie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you today. Me too. I think the big shock here is we're not going to be really talking a whole lot about business stuff today. No. No, we are not. We are (laughs) going to be talking about a bit of a personal topic, one that I personally have gone through. And I think a lot of listeners to this podcast maybe have some experience with. If it's not them, then maybe it's somebody that they know. And I'm in my mid-40s. I know you've just entered your 40s. By the way, 40s are fabulous. (laughs) And as women entrepreneurs, we get to make a lot of choices and have a lot of freedom in our lives. And so I want to talk about your journey so far. First of all, let's talk about a little bit about your business, just so that people understand what it is (laughs) and where to find you. Let's start there. Yeah, I have been in the personal development space for about 10 years. I had done a big backpacking trip in my early 30s. And I think I was searching all over the world for the answers of how to feel better, how to be more inspired, how to be more aligned, more authentically me. And I got home and I was like, okay, I went through all that, but I didn't find it. And I think like the gig was up and I realized I have to look within. And I hit my self-proclaimed like rock bottom at that point, which was not having a job, my relationship had ended. I thought it was going to move into a long-term committed marriage partnership. And I was living in my parents' house and I was being faced with all the things from childhood that we don't see. But then when we kind of have that space and come back, we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. There was some like software that was like laid down here that isn't really working for me and isn't going to work for like how I want to live my life and how I want to feel every day. And by the grace of God, a friend introduced me to somebody and I did a session with them and they introduced tapping to me, mm. EFT. And mm-hmm. I thought nothing of it rather than except for it looks silly. I'm touching my face, but I was desperate. So I, I'll do anything. And a couple of days later, the very thing that we tapped on came into my day to day. And I where I would have went typically where I would have been in victim mode and what was me. And of course, this happened this way because of this, that and the other from my childhood. I couldn't find that. And it was like that neuropathway had been broken and severed. And I had that pause. Like I had that moment to really decide like how I wanted to show up. And that was the game changer for me. I was like, what is this stuff? I want more of this. And I started very quickly getting into learning that. But I didn't do enough of my own work. So at some point during that first year, I was working with clients already, moonlighting, And I was getting triggered all over the place. And I realized I needed to do some more of my own work. So I took a long pause from serving other people and really about four or five years went deep on my own stuff and then came back to it, answered the call of my heart and have been working 
utilizing that modality. I do somatic processing, but lots of internal rewiring, reshifting, really just changing the way that women subconsciously see themselves. A lot of times like women will say, I want this or I can have this. And it's like, maybe it's a little bit of ego, like maybe it is desire, but then their actions don't align with that. And so it's that space. It's the difference between what you say you want and what you're actually allowing yourself to receive. Hmm. That is your subconscious self-image. And that's really the thing that I work on with women. And once they have that and they've reclaimed more of themselves and they're totally lit up by what they can do and their life and possibilities and things start opening up and they're feeling magnetic. And from there, with women that own businesses, then I help them make tweaks, sometimes heavy lifting builds, but (laughs) most Mm -hmm. of the time it's tweaks to things like their messaging, their marketing, their processes, their sales process, the way their business is set up for organic growth. And so I have a proven track record of working with women that are usually making around 40 to 50,000 solopreneurs, service-based businesses, and getting them up to six and multiple six figures in a very short period of time, usually like within less than a year. Wow. Amazing. And then you mentioned helping them feel magnetic, which I love that phrase. I love it. I, I, magnetic is like all over in my <laughs> branding. I have a great, I have a really fun event that I do. And I've done it now four or five times around the beginning of the year that is called Magnetize. It's a a three-day thing that I help women unlock their limiting beliefs and releasing those and getting really clear on their values Mm. so that they can be living and creating from a more authentic place. Love that. And I, I think as entrepreneurs, I think the challenge for us can be that we have a lot of time and freedom. And while that's what we all want, it Mm -hmm. also creates a lot of silence. And I think in that silence, you start to realize all of the things that come up for you, as opposed to going to work every day on autopilot for eight, nine hours a day where you're not really thinking about yourself or your limiting beliefs, your childhood memories, any of that. And you're just on the hamster wheel. I think as entrepreneurs, we really need people like you to help work through the real human experience. Yeah. The one thing I will say, I'm very honest, so I don't beat around the bush. Like we have a worthiness like epidemic, like feeling that we're not worthy enough, feeling that we're not good enough, we're not lovable. And so if you are somebody who works in corporate, that very it's very easy for the corporate structures and powers that be to exploit that. And mm-hmm. women get really turned on by the next promotion, the next praise from their boss, their they're raised, like all of these things. And so we work ourselves so hard and we position ourselves so that it's, oh, look, I did it all. And you get the praise and the client's happy and you get that validation and you're stuck in that cycle. And so the root there of that like lack of worthiness, if you move over into entrepreneurship, if the same root is there, it actually manifests differently. It's then you see the playing small, the procrastination, the not going for it because there isn't anyone validating you. You have to start to validate yourself. You have to start to motivate yourself. And especially like those beginning years where it's not, the clients aren't flowing in as much. It's can you stay consistent? Can you be resilient? And so it's such an opportunity either way to come back to yourself and to do some of the like deeper inner work. Yeah, super important. I think I had things come up at the beginning of my business where I was like, oh, I didn't notice that before because I was Mm -hmm. doing the corporate thing day in, day out. And I didn't have any downtime to really figure out what I wanted for myself deep down. And so, yeah, that that brings stuff up. I love that. So let's talk about the chapter. Another thing I want for myself? 
<laughs> yes. That's the segue. <laughs> Let's talk about the chapter of life that you're in right now. So you posted on your Instagram stories a few weeks ago, I think, about egg freezing. And this is a topic of conversation myself and my husband with a lot of my friends who are in their 30s and 40s. And there seems to be this magical cutoff of 35 years old here in our country, which blows my mind, that you cannot have children after 35, which is not correct at all. So this topic comes up quite often. And I love talking to people who have frozen their eggs, gone internationally for fertility treatments, been a surrogate, all the things when it comes to growing our families. So I would love for you to share your experience with egg freezing. Yeah, that's a long story. So first, (laughs) I want to (laughs) disclaimer that my story is like not typical. It had a lot of ups and downs. It was longer for some women. It is as easy as just going in and having an initial consultation. And a couple of weeks later, they're injecting themselves. And a week or two later, they have eggs in the freezer. That was not my story. And when I was in the midst of the whole process and really coming to terms with the fact that I want motherhood still, I'm older, I'm 41 now. And I remember Googling because want expanders, right? So I want to tell my subconscious it's possible for me. So I was Googling like women having babies in their 40s and naturally. And what that article said, and it was a doula had said this in the article, and it really left an imprint on me is that you can absolutely have a family and get pregnant in your 40s. It's just going to have a higher likelihood of having some heartbreak along Mm -hmm. with it. It's just not going to be like as simple and straightforward. So I really want to be here as a beacon of hope and also as a dispenser of reality too. Let's balance it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. That you like know what's up or what's possible because I wish that someone had been a little bit more straightforward with me when I was younger so that things could have possibly been a little bit easier. But Yeah. As we were chatting about before we jumped on and hit record, I had a relationship. And in that relationship, we had talked about having children of our own. And I was like, not only was I like processing the end of that, I was also thinking, wow, wait, I'm about to start over from the start line again. And like to build a relationship with somebody where it gets to the point of intimacy where we want to build a family and a future and a life. And so I'm like, wow, that's another couple of years. Who knows? But that's kind of what I was thinking. And I I still remember it was July 4th weekend, and I was in a hot tub (laughs) with my two girlfriends. And one of them is about 10 years older. The other one had already done two rounds of freezing her eggs when she was younger because she had some fertility stuff. Mm -hmm. And both of them were telling me these stories and these cautionary tales about you have to freeze your eggs. Like, this is the thing. And, you know, when I sat back and, like, really thought about it, I was like, yeah, like, what is in my control right now? What can I actually do towards this? I know I don't want to be a mother on my own. So it's not like I'm going to go out and start the adoption process or something like that. But this is something that I can do. This is something I'm pretty spiritual. I use the word God, lowercase. So (laughs) if you want to sub that in as universe, spirit, whatever. So I was in my mind being like, okay, let's do the egg freezing so that God has another door to work with. But I'm still totally open to meeting someone who has kids or having one naturally or adoption or fostering, whatever. There's so many avenues. And so I I do think that like having a little bit of that check place, (laughs) checks and balances, like helped me through the process, which I really needed because the process was a bit bumpy. So after that night in the hot tub, 
I started doing research and we live in a small town. And so I was surprised to see there was a couple of fertility clinics in town and I started calling around and started getting information. And I basically thought I hit the jackpot because I found this VC backed fertility clinic right in our town. And their whole MO was you shouldn't have to be wealthy to have a family. And so it was very accessible, very transparent pricing. And yeah, the doctor's fee at that time was like $2,000. It was like nothing compared wow. to a lot of other mm-hmm. fertility places. And the consultation, you paid $100. And if you wanted to move forward, they would apply that to his bill. And if you right. didn't, they would re- refund you your money. So I'm like, okay, right. nothing to lose here. So I, I go in and I know there's no video with this podcast, but no. people <laughs> will tell me I look much younger than I am. So of course, like thinking, then my ovaries are probably in the same state, right? <laughs> I'm young. I'm active. I eat relatively healthy. Everyone tells me I look so young, blah, 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 whatever. And I have a pretty like low stress life, right? I'm doing all these modalities that I talked about, right? To re- reduce my own stress. So I go in there and first thing is the sonogram. And I have almost no follicles. I have five follicles. And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know how freezing works, every follicle within your ovary, each month, one gets large, naturally, one gets large and releases an egg when you ovulate. But when you're doing egg freezing, they stimulate you with hormones. And so each follicle can grow and call a egg forward. And then that is what gets retrieved. So the maximum amount of eggs that you can get is in relation to how many follicles you have. It is not a guarantee that every follicle will have an egg and it will be like at the mature level, but that's basically like your base, like best case scenario. If you have 100% is the amount of follicles that you have. And the doctor like then starts going through all of the science and the statistics and they're like, we want, we'd like you to have 10 eggs to create one healthy embryo. That's usually like their threshold. So I'm like already, oh my God, like I'm not even halfway towards what the doctor wants. And then I had some blood work and they tested a couple of different things. They test your, I think it's called your AMH, which is your ovarian reserve like numbers. They wanted me to be at least at a one. If you're young, you're somewhere in the threes. I was at a 0.4 when the, mm. when it came back. So not mm. good. And they tested a couple other things, your th- my thyroid and one other hormone. And so just walking out of that initial session <laughs> with the doctor, I remember going across the street and just crying in the park. I had They had a hard time getting my blood out. So I had these two giant cotton balls with tape over them on each of my inner elbows. And I just cried in the park and was like, wow, like I didn't think that this is what was going to be discovered today. I thought I was going to be so healthy. I had so much ego. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to defy everything. And I, it wasn't the case. It was exactly what he expected. For a woman my age. And so that was like, wow, okay. A couple days later, he calls to tell me the blood results and he's your thyroid's normal. And I was like, oof, okay, you know, relax. He's like, but the other number is really high. And what they were testing was my prolactin. And prolactin is a hormone that elevates when you are pregnant or when you're breastfeeding. And so for just for the audience to understand the numbers, between a 9 and around like a 25 is if you're not pregnant. Like a 120 is if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. I was at like a 130. So something is up. Like 
your body, if it continues to do this for whatever reason it's doing this, you will eventually go into infertility because your mm -hmm. body will stop ovulating. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I like already had stopped ovulating because I'm very close to like track my mucus down there and the <laughs> but it isn't too much for your audience. But if you don't no, track your, your cervical mucus, you should because yes, it's a very yes. way for you to be in tune with your body and to mm -hmm. know your own body. So when you ovulate, you get that like what they refer to as the egg white, the jelly. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen that for a while. And I was like, all right, you know, I didn't think anything of it. But now I had actual like scientific data telling me why that wasn't happening. So the doctor's like, all right, there's medicine. We're going to put you on medicine. It's going to lower this. And at the same time, we also have to rule out what could be causing this. So his chances are there could be something in your brain on the pituitary gland, which is the gland that controls this hormone. And so we just have to rule that out. So <laughs> things escalated. I like off the phone and I like, cried. Of course. And I mentioned my best friend and I was like, things that escalated quickly. Oh, gosh. I was like, all right. Oh, Didn't expect man. that. Went and filled my prescription and yeah, booked myself an MRI and was really lucky that I got in like, two days later or something like that. And it wasn't that bad. I stayed calm, stayed really friendly with everyone. That's like my MO. I've had a breast biopsy like five years ago. And my whole MO is that how calm can I be so that nurses and the doctors around me can do their job the best? And how mm. can I engage them? And so I usually crack jokes and things like that. But oh. so went in for the MRI, came out. Our hospital system is amazing. I know this is tech champagne. So they're very on their tech. You've <laughs> oh. got you got your good chart so much. that they just drop. You drop the results in your chart, mm -hmm. which was a blessing and a curse because... The results got dropped, but my doctor went on vacation. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> so, so no one could, I could read the file. And when there's <laughs> X millimeters times X millimeters times X millimeters, they found something. But you don't have anyone to talk to about it. I remember in that moment, I tell this story a lot because I am quite spiritual. And I was like, in that moment, I really understood and got the lesson of what surrender means. Mm. and. I thought I'd been doing surrender before, but I wasn't. And in that moment, I said, okay, God, if this is the journey, if this is the path that you want me to go down, you want me to, I pictured myself literally like with a half a shaved head, with a sick mohawk, like in a scar and stuff, <laughs> thinking that they're going to have to go do brain surgery. And right. I was like, okay, if that's what you want me to do, if that's what my life's part of my life's purpose is to show this journey to other people and to help them in some way, then okay, then we're going to go on that journey. And so I just surrendered to it. And a week later, my doctor came back from his vacation and we were supposed to have a follow-up call and they call me and they're like, actually, can you come in instead? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good. My heart is pounding right now. Yeah. So we, <laughs> I come in and they're, no one, like no one really talks to me about what's happening. They're just bring me into an examination room and they start testing my blood pressure, standing up and sitting down and bending over and they're testing my eyes. And I'm like, okay, yeah. like in part of my head, I'm like, you let me walk around like this for a whole week <laughs> while you're on vacation. So <laughs> okay. I don't think it could be that bad. But yeah, so then I went to sit with the doctor and he confirmed that basically I had a mass that was bleeding, like, like not actively bleeding, but it was a bleed next to my pituitary. And the way that the gland works is it has to interact with the environment around it. So if something is touching it, it can't do its job properly. And mm. so that was the thing that was touching it. And uh, he was really concerned. And he said, all of this is, has to go on hold. 
there is no egg freezing right now. And that was so hard because in that moment, two weeks ago, he's sitting there showing me all the data and how it literally goes off the cliff at 40. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, I have no time. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. We can't press pause. Mm-hmm. So I went home from that doctor's appointment and I worked 12 steps. So I was I also coach a lot through the serenity prayer. God give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can. So in that moment, I was like, what can I change? And it ended up becoming a blessing because I called a friend that I'd been in a mastermind with previously, and she was a fertility nutritionist. And I said, I need your help. And I booked a intensive with her. And I utilized all of that time that I was put on pause to control the things that I can. And I really do feel like it was a blessing in the end because it took seven months from the first appointment for me to actually come out of the surgery or the retrieval. And I had, I think, a better outcome because I utilized all of that time. That's quite a journey. Yeah. I'd love, like, if you're, I'd love to tell you some of the things that I did during, during that time. Yes. So we revamped my diet. Mm. So there isn't much research out there on this whole area because, first off, women's health is really underfunded. Yeah. Apparently, we make terrible test subjects because we cycle over 28 days. (laughs) (laughs) How dare we? (laughs) Yeah. And we're so lucky. Like we're near the university. The university is doing so much work on women's health right now. They're doing Mm. a huge initiative on scanning brains. The first MRI of a brain, CAT scan or MRI of a brain for every single day of a woman's cycle wasn't done until 2020. And it was done by a grad student at UCSB. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so they are on a huge initiative right now. They're looking for people to to participate because we got to learn more about what's going on with us with inside of ourselves as, of as women. So I will say there isn't that much data, but the data that is there and the, the research that they've done backs up what I've read a couple different books, backs up what this fertility nutritionist did with me. And what that is increasing your fat and your protein. And so mm-hmm. my diet became almost 50% fat and getting about 70 grams of protein a day. Wow. No. <laughs> yeah. I was like preparing for a bodybuilding competition <laughs> and it's a real commitment. It did. So yeah, breakfast was usually like three eggs and a half avocado and maybe some smoked salmon or prosciutto. And I doused the plate in olive oil and cooking with ghee and coconut oil and really minimizing the amount of sugar because right. sugar impacts the hormones in the negative way. Supplement-wise, I started and obviously talked to somebody, a professional. Don't take this as medical advice because everybody's body's different. But I was, we added omega oils. We added Revesterol. We added CoQ10 is a big one. Hmm. That one's a very anti-aging type supplement and then prenatals and to be really careful with the prenatals they have to be the right one the right type of folate and so she she had to talk about tech again (laughs) she had an system with i think it's called full scripts so she had an account with oh yes and she would go in yeah and just basically prescribe me these Mm -hmm. the dosage and how to use them and all that and i had an account and i would just press a button and every month like 
my supplements would show up at my house. And selenium is a big one for creating cells. And I didn't want to take another <laughs> supplement. So you can take no. two Brazil nuts a day. So I would eat that at breakfast. But yeah, all of these things to change the quality of the egg. So it makes sense to me. It's, oh, okay. Like we need protein. To, those are building blocks. And we need fat because things are like supple and like yummy. Right. I picture them as like bursting. And they're about to go into the freeze process. So they got to have a lot of protein and a exactly. lot of fat in them. So it's all about the quality of the egg. And so as you get older, not only do you have less follicles in your ovaries, but the quality of the eggs have dropped from when you're in your 20s and 30s. And so that's what we were trying to do. A lot of people will tell you that you're born with the amount of eggs that you have, the quality is set from day one, and you can't do anything to influence them. And that's, I don't believe that's true. In my heart of hearts, I don't believe that's true. And so I stuck to this diet for seven months, making sure I was drinking a lot of water, taking all the supplements. I went through the house. We removed every toxic product. I changed mm. my what I was washing my hair with. I changed my makeup. I changed my toothpaste. I changed my body wow. lotion. Everything that was like coming into contact because a lot of those things are hormone disruptors. I use perfume anymore. I don't even very rarely use even essential oils because again, they're all endocrine disruptors. So just making the environment really clean Dish, dishwashing detergent, laundry detergent. I don't use, I never, I wasn't doing that for a while, but the fabric softener, mm -hmm. using those things. And in the kitchen, like being careful what you're cooking in, being careful, no plastics. And it's then also one. with the diet, like reducing inflammation as much as possible. And I'm not someone who has an allergy to gluten or dairy, but we eliminated gluten and dairy and seed oils because of the inflammation that it causes. So just really creating an environment around you and an environment within you that's as hospitable as possible because <laughs> if your body is fighting something else, it just, again, makes sense to me yeah. that it is not going to be an environment to bring a child into. So your body will like shut down your fertility and will work on that problem instead. So it's just about minimizing anything that would be like distracting to the fertility process. Wow, look at you. That's a big deal. It, you know what else I think it really did for me is it showed me how to commit to myself. It showed Absolutely. me how to show up for myself. And the whole process, there were some other ups and downs. We went to retrieve the day before Thanksgiving. We went to start the, the shots. And I went in and I had a cyst. And you can't get pumped full of hormones if you have a cyst because the cyst is going to really grow. big. Yep. Again, I was like, oh my God, why are you doing this to me, God? Oh, I thought we were, that it was go time. And again, I had to learn to surrender. And I think when you think about what is the end goal to become a mom, okay, what do I need to become a mom? I need compassion. I need patience. I need understanding. I need to like relinquish control over everything. So I think the process... Like when you have a goal, I think the process that you go on to receive and achieve that goal is the is you becoming who you have to be to have that. And so I think like throughout this whole process of all the ups and downs and the diet and all the choices I made, I mean, if I was going to LA for the weekend, I'd show up with two cooler bags because I couldn't really <laughs> eat anything in anyone's house or I had to make sure when I woke up, there were three eggs waiting for me. So it, a lot of it required a lot. I also did yep. acupuncture. I also did lymphatic drainage massages, infrared sauna. So I was like removing the toxins, 
Yeah, I was all in. <laughs> you did all the things. I was all in. And then with the cyst in the fall, in the one right around Thanksgiving, it burst naturally. That That's another crazy story. But I went back in and they're like, it's not here anymore. And I was like, yeah. And that was all an energetic session. An energetic session and me saying, I don't know if we can swear on this. So that's yes. it. <laughs> Fuck swear it. all day, all day. And I went to this gala and I just partied. I don't really drink, but like I partied my butt off and I just was dancing. I was on dance floor, shaking it. Next thing you know, (laughs) I'm bleeding. And part of the retrieval process, depending on your doctors, they might put you on birth control and you don't get your period. Like they override it. So I'm all of a sudden I'm bleeding. I'm like, what is this? And and I was like, oh, is this the cyst? And sure enough, like I went in for a sonogram and they're like, cyst is gone. So the cyst burst on its own. I was really like at that point, I just want to get back to me. I want to get back to having fun. Because even though I was doing all this stuff, I was doing it with this like hard energy and this this intention of, oh, this has to work. And I think after when the cyst happened, I was like ready to just be like, I want to get back to my life. And that's what I did. I went home for the holidays. I ate whatever I wanted. I relaxed and I let it go. And then I came back in January. And so now we're into like month seven of this Mm -hmm. journey. (laughs) And the women at the office, we support whatever you want to do. Do you want to try or do you want to let it go? And I said, let's try. And then that fun journey started, the actual retrieval process. And what is that? I know there's a lot of shots. Yeah. 30, is it 30, 45 days? Is it one cycle? No, it's not long actually. Oh, it depends. Yeah. When I went in, Shocker, I had another cyst, oh, which again is something that like will has a tendency to happen more the older you get. This time we chose to aspirate it. So basically it's a little mini surgery. They just go in there and drain it out. Mm-hmm. And then I started my shot like right after. And if you're afraid of needles. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I, I'm not, but I have a history of passing out after giving blood and things like uh, that. Okay. And getting that reaction where your whole body covers in sweat and then you puke. <laughs> so I oh, go yeah. to put the first shot in. Sure enough, that happens in the office. Oh, I am like, how <laughs> the hell am I going to do this at home every mm-hmm. single day with myself? And it's like anything else. You just get used to it. And so you start off, usually it's two shots. And then at some point they start, to, they enter in another like third shot of a different type of medicine that you need at some point in the cycle. And you go back to the office like every few days and they check how the follicles are growing. They do a sonogram and see how things are moving along and you get blood drawn and they check your estrogen level just Mm -hmm. to make sure it's not out of whack. And yeah, I would say anyone who's going to do this ice, that's the biggest thing I can tell you is take a piece of ice and numb the skin, like literally just hold it to the skin where you're going to make the injection. It will numb the skin. You will not feel it even go in. So that's like my, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And you will not get bruised. Like I didn't do that in the first one and I had a huge bruise for two weeks, but I didn't get bruised at all like for the rest of the time. And my doctor's office, they give you like a calendar. So they'll let you know this is the range of days that we think will retrieve. And then when you start to get closer, they're able to nail it down for you. And you take this one final shot called the trigger shot. And Mm -hmm. that triggers like the eggs to come forward. And then about, I think it's 36 hours later, you end up in the surgery and the surgery they put you under. It's quick. Usually it's about 20, 30 minutes and you wake up in recovery and then you find out about your eggs. And I had the longest period with the shots. Like they gave me the calendar and I went off the calendar. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm lucky I have a friend, former client who's a psychic and she said, spirit has a message for you in the middle of it. Do you want to hear it? I'm like, of course. And he said, <laughs> it's not going to look how you thought it was and you're going to have to be patient. Wow. So around day 10, 10 days of giving myself two shots a day, the doctor tells me I should forfeit the cycle. <gasps> he didn't like the way that the eggs were growing at different sizes and they weren't going fast enough and all this. And the nurse called to tell me that they, I had the best nurse and mm. she's like, let's just keep going. You have nothing to lose. Let's keep wow. going. And I was like, you know what? I am going to hold my faith and I'm going to believe that these eggs can grow. And I, the next sonogram, the sonogram tech was like, what did you do? Because whatever you're doing, it's working. <laughs> and I would go in and I'd cry on the table and be like, it's not like this. It was, I remember I was the, the man that I was dating at the time. I was like, I don't think it's working. He's like, it's working. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know everyone's experience is so different. I've had clients and friends who are like super tired. I didn't feel tired at all. I had another mm -hmm. girlfriend she played pickleball all the way through. Mm. Some doctors will tell you not to be active. Her doctor was fine with it. Everyone has a different experience. And I just felt very like tender, tender mm -hmm. and slow and emotional and really present with my life and how I was like treating myself in that moment. Everything else fell away and that became like the more important thing. How am I going to take care of myself and grow these little things? And yeah, so at the end of the day, after seven months, two cysts, <laughs> and a cycle that the, my doctor told me to forfeit, and mm -hmm. remember I started in seven months prior with five follicles, I ended with seven eggs. <gasps> so seven. Amazing. And I had even more follicles that, that kind of responded to the medicine and came out like they weren't visible on the original sonogram. But yet we, we went in for seven follicles we got seven eggs and then i got the cryo chromosomal whoever that whatever their position's called they emailed me and they were like all seven froze and that is also unheard of Usually, absolutely there's like a few that got lost in the initial freezing process and it's a good sign that they all froze usually if is something is wrong with the egg it won't be viable right. it usually won't um survive the freezing process so I accidentally forgot my jacket at the surgery center. So later on that day, you, I was totally fine. I walked 10,000 steps that day later that day. You, I you love can it. can recover pretty quick. <laughs> but I went by the office to grab my jacket and all the nurses were just all astonished. They were like, you're our oh, miracle patient. Oh, I love this oh, whole story. Yeah. And I prayed the same prayer the whole time, which was just to have as many eggs as God needs to work with. So I wasn't mm -hmm. like attached. I was like, if it's zero, will I be disappointed? Obviously. But like then there's a different path for me. And mm -hmm. they've asked if I want to come and do another cycle. And I chose not to because I just think that would be like too much doubling and tripling down on one door mm -hmm. of possibility. And I feel I got what I got. And I think it's important to be like really clear before you even start this whole journey of what your thresholds are, how much money you want to spend, how much time you want to give this, how many cycles yes, you may yes. want to give this. Because it does feel like you're walking into Las Vegas. And once you pull up to that table, <laughs> you're like, I got a hundred bucks. I'm going to put it on black. But then all of a sudden <laughs> red hits and you're like, I got to go to the ATM and I'm going to get more and more and more like, money. Yeah. And so I think it's like really important to be super clear and have your own boundaries before you even enter into this process and know what you want to want to do. But yeah, I'm really 
pleased with the whole journey. I think it happened exactly how it was meant to happen for me. And I, I do genuinely in my heart of hearts believe that I got the results that I got because of the diet and all of the other things that I did. Fantastic. I think people really underestimate the power of nutrition and self-care and just being kind to yourself. There's a lot of healing power there for all types of, for disease, for injuries, for fertility. I love that you mentioned acupuncture. I think there's so much power in acupuncture. Yeah. I hated it. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Oh, you have aversion to needles. She'd be like... She'd put the needle and I'd, I'd stiffen up. She's like, supposed to relax you. <laughs> You're like, nope. I'm like, no, no it I'm isn't. just going to stand here like Frankenstein and not move a muscle because I'm so afraid there's all these things in me. Yeah. Oh, I love this, Jackie. Thank you so much for sharing. I know this is incredibly personal, but there's also a lot of power in sharing because it helps other women who are going through something similar. Yeah. And I just think that not all hope is lost. There are so many things that you can do. Like, just like you said at the beginning of our recording that 35 is old or geriatric pregnancy, or you can't have a baby after whatever age. I think that's the medical world speaking. And I think find yourself people that believe in you, find a doctor that believes in you, find other support, find alternative medicine, find a nutritionist, read the books that are out there. I read The Egg Fertility Diet. There's lots of recipes in that. There's another great book that says it all starts with the egg. Get yourself educated. And if you are younger, do yourself a favor, really sit down and check in with yourself and see if you want to do this now. I wish that I knew below 35, like I that I this whole process could have been easier. I could have potentially got more eggs, more viable eggs, more younger eggs, all of that stuff. And I don't know if I would have believed anyone. I think I would have still thought, oh, it's just going to work out naturally for me. It is a good insurance policy, but it's also not guaranteed. Right. And that's what I, that's like my message that I want to leave people with is this is not a guarantee. Some people go in and they can't even do the freezing process. So it's not a walk in the park. It's not necessarily guaranteed it's going to work. All of the eggs that I have frozen, there is a potential because it's like a single cell. They're not embryos. There is a potential in the future if I go to use them that not that they don't defrost. They don't. Because there's a thawing process. Yeah. So they may not survive that. So yes, I have these, but it may translate to nothing in the future. And the biggest thing that I want to leave people with is if you are having difficulties in relationship, if you want a family and you want a partner, and that is like an area of your life that is not working. Either you have a pattern that you're noticing, like you're afraid of intimacy, or you pick the wrong people, or you're chasing people, or whatever it is. Freezing your eggs is not going to solve that for you. It is not like a replacement. You're better off than spending your money healing your your patterns and your attachment style and all the other things that you can have a healthy partnership and a healthy family dynamic and not perpetuate and continue generational trauma and all of those types of things. The bigger picture. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard women that are single five, six, seven years and their dating life is an absolute (laughs) train wreck. And they're (laughs) like, okay, so I'll go freeze my eggs. I don't think that's actually the thing to focus on right now. The priority. Of course. Of course. Wow. That was a lot. Thank you. I appreciate you being so open and honest. That's definitely me. Straight shooter (laughs) from the East Coast. (laughs) I love it. 
Blunt. Scooter. And I know at the yeah. very beginning before we're going to hop up here in a moment, but in the very beginning, you said that you have a journey that is probably different than most people. And if I'm hearing that correctly, it sounded like you felt maybe alone or that, you know, you were one of very few people that had that experience, but mine was very similar. So mm. one day, sister, we'll get coffee or a glass of wine and we can talk more. Yeah. Yeah. I think think there's a lot of us sharing that. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And right, like right now, like my two childhood best friends, one is going to be using an egg donor. She went in and she has one or two follicles. It's just not IVF for her with her own eggs. It's just not a possibility. And the thing I also want to give people hope, even with egg donor, right? You can be in menopause for up to two years and still carry your own, your child that's made of an egg from somebody else. So if you want the experience of pregnancy and you're early menopause or going into menopause, like it's still a possibility for you. Again, like research, learn what your options are. And then I have another friend, she had a lot of follicles for being in her early 40s. She had about 17 or 18 and she had 30 something eggs. And then there was one viable embryo that came out of that. Mm -hmm. And she did another round and she had less eggs, but she got three viable embryos. So it's all a (laughs) crapshoot. We don't know. (laughs) I asked my doctor, where does God come into this? And um, That's a great question. And he had two files on his desk for, of patients. And he said, this woman had four eggs and one and got one embryo. This woman had one egg and got one embryo. That's mm. God. Mm. I can't tell Oh, you it gets why. me chills. Yeah. It gets so, me chills. If you want something, if you if there if you have a will, there's a way. And I think God, universe, spirit always is looking to give you what you need in life. It may not be the timeline that you want. It may not look like what you want it to look like. And I think doing what you can, focusing on what you can control, and then releasing your preferences. Because if you really want to be a mom, that can happen a million ways. Yes. Oh, that's a great message. I think that's a great place to end. Yay. I love that message. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And where can people find you, Jackie? I know a lot of people have some questions. Maybe send some DMs your way. Yeah. Come say hi on Instagram. Don't just follow. Come DM me. Let's chat. Let's Send me a voice note. People send me voice notes all the time and they're like, tell me about fertility. Tell me about 12 steps. I'll talk to anyone about anything. (laughs) So uh, I'm at openhearted.co on Instagram. Perfect. I'll put it in the show notes too, just so people can find you easily. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, my dear. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope to see you in real life soon. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tech Champagne and we will see you next Wednesday. Bye. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I hope this episode brought you exactly what you needed. If you had fun today, be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me a review. Your support means the world to me and it helps other women entrepreneurs find the show as well. And if you're looking for a free place to connect and learn more about creating your own six-figure online business, check out my Facebook group, Empowered Entrepreneurs. See you on the next episode.